0: Well, as you can tell, we're going to start a For Better, For Worse series today. Uh, Hopefully you enjoyed uh, the videos. If you participated in that, thank you. If you didn't see yourself on there this week, there are three more weeks, or two more weeks. You will will be up there at some point. Uh, I love the facial expressions, even if they didn't do anything, just the the look on their faces as they were asking the questions. Uh, And so, uh, we want to start this series, uh, let me just paraphrase this up front. If you're not married, if you've been married, if you are married, if you want to get married, you're not thinking about marriage, no matter where you're at in life, this is a series for you. Because relationships not just are just not in the marriage, but they're throughout life. But specifically, we're going to talk about relationships within a marriage. You might have some great role models. You might have some terrible role models. You might have some role models that you don't even know whether they're good, bad, or indifferent because you don't know what they're doing. Um, but uh, so we want to try to cover all aspects of this. There is grace for everybody through this because none of us get this right, including those of us who are on the stage. Uh, if you saw uh, some of us on that, uh, that little video, uh, we don't get it right either. In fact, this morning uh, my wife is dealing with a crisis. Uh, I did not cause the crisis. Uh, I came downstairs this morning to a flooded kitchen. Our refrigerator went out over, overnight, and uh, so all everything in the freezer drained out onto the floor. So she's at home dealing with that, so I could come in here and deal with y'all. Uh, I don't know which is better, uh, but uh, she is taking care of that, uh, and I thank her for that. So... Um, you know, how many I asked I ask Kelly, she's my bride, I asked her, I said, when when we, before we got married, what was your thought process? What, what did your picture look like? What was your expectations for our relationship and marriage? And so maybe you can relate to this. I'm not going to get it 100% right. I just kind of paraphrase because I don't have that much time. Uh, it's about this long. And uh, I just, you know, kind of paraphrase that. So this is what she thought marriage would be. Now, she had all the warning signs, just so you know. I don't know where she got this from. She said uh, she dreamed of a white house with blue shutters, a blue door, white picket fence. I don't know if those colors are right. Those are just the things I threw in there. Um, two dogs, three kids, a husband with a great job, family time around the dinner table, the ease of preparing meals, family nights, date nights, family vacations, money in the bank, money for retirement, grandkids, senior years, and etc. Any of y'all had that dream? Close to that dream. How'd that work out for you? I know how it worked out for her. Some of us came into the marriage with these expectations life's going to be like our dating days freedom spontaneity all the premarital activities life is just going to be a party anybody with me on that one how many came into marriage and said I don't know what to expect I don't really care anybody all right how's that working out for you you know we all come into marriage with something in our mind even if it's nothing in our mind of what we expect in this relationship I'm not saying your hopes and your dreams and desires are wrong. When you place them on the other person to fulfill, that's when we run into problems. And so, uh, you know, we call those things expectations. Uh, They might be good, they might be bad, uh, but so many times they deserve our effort to achieve and not the other person's effort our effort we put that on us how many got expectations you can never accomplish anybody with me on this one i'm a perfectionist so here's here's how it works for me expectations on myself are like a thousand pounds on my back i can't do them so i'm going to give you 999 pounds and i'm going to take the one pound but i'm going to pick on you because you ain't doing what i want you to do anybody with me those are unhealthy expectations and so um I was looking this up, and I ran across this phrase. I was trying to figure out, what can I, what can I picture with expectations other than just disappointment? Expectations lead to disappointments, but there's got to be something better. So I was going through this, and here's what I ran across. Expectations are premeditated, premeditated resentments. Now think about that. Expectations are premeditated resentments. Now you say, what is that? When things are not turning out how you thought or imagined they would be, You resent the person that isn't accomplishing them, and it's never you. Premeditated resentments. You put all your hopes, desires, and dreams on the other person, the expectations, and when they don't fulfill them, you resent them. Does that sound like our marriages? Yeah, mine too. I'm guilty of this. I I will tell you this. We had four glorious years. I mean that with all sincerity. We had two years of dating and two years of marriage, and we never had an argument. We, we literally, it was beautiful. And then somehow, something broke in my mind, and I forgot what I was doing. Because from there, for about another seven years, it was, gl- it was not glorious. It was something else, but it was not glorious. Um, you ask my wife, she'll tell you. We, we don't hide any of our, um, our issues. We, I will share everything with you, because I don't want you to make the same stupid mistakes I've made. And our, our hope and our desire is to work with young couples, to help them overcome some of the, the blind spots in their own lives so that they, they realize that, hey, there's a better way. Hey, our parents are great. I'm a great parent, but I screwed my kids up. <laughs> Anybody with me? I, I'm a good husband today, but there were a lot of years I wasn't a good husband. I, just reality. And so I want to share that in the best possible way that I can so that you don't make the same. You're going to make your own mistakes. But if I can prevent you from making the stupid mistakes I've made, Maybe you'll get a little further down the road in this relationship thing we call marriage. And so that's, that's my desire. So uh, premeditated resentments. Disappointments and resentments will destroy a relationship. Are you with me? Here, here's the reality. There should be joy in the joining. When, when we say, I take you, there should be joy from that point forward. But here's the problem. When we say, I take you, how many of us really take that person? Or do we take the vision of that person that we expect them to be? See, like my wife, she, she asked me, if, if I die, are you going to get remarried? I used to say, yeah. Now I say, no, because I don't want to get changed again. <laughs> Anybody with me? And she says, no, because I don't want to change nobody again. That's what she'll tell you. And, 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 and we joke and we laugh and we kid about that. But do we really take the person that we're looking at, or do we take a version of the person that we want them to be? You have to really, because the version that you want may not be the person that they are. And you're, all the things that you do, we joke about it, but all the things that you do will never change that person. You know the only person you can change? is that jerk you see in the mirror every morning. i talking about myself. You don't see me in your mirror. You call yourself whatever you want to see. But whoever you see in the mirror is the only person you're ever going to change. Now, I will say this. The more you change that person in the mirror, the people around you can't help but change them. I'm just going to be honest with you. The more you change the person you see in the mirror, the people around you are going to change because they can't help it. Now, now I want to tell you this up front. When you start changing the person in the mirror, it's going to cause a lot of confusion in your relationships. And they might, you might run through some tumultuous times before it gets better. I tell guys this all the time because I work off of We all work off of fears. I don't have time to get into all this, but you all work off of fears. You have about three core fears in your life, and when somebody pushes one of those fear buttons, you have a normal response. Just it's just second nature. Mind you, push one of my fear buttons; it's all I can do not to punch you. Just just I just have a rage issue. So when I started changing that, I, don't get me wrong, I never punch Kelly, but I have a rage issue. I, I have I have this issue that. I, I, I fear, one of my biggest fears is being a failure. So when you push that button, my normal response is just to bite back at you. When I started changing that, she had no clue what to do. Because when you change your normal response, the other person doesn't know how to respond. And it will cause a lot of tumultuous times in your life as you make those changes. So I, that's, a, that's something free for today. That wasn't part of this. Just, it's just reality. When you change, they, they're going to change. So here's the thing. When I take you, it doesn't mean I take you the version of you that I want. What it means is I'm going to take you and make you a priority in my life. That's what it means. I'm going to take you and I'm going to make you a priority in my life. Because there's a version of you that God wants more than you want, more than I want. And that's the version that I want to see come to pass. So I'm going to take you, and I'm going to make you a priority in my life. All this is based on Scripture. All of this is based on the relationship between Jesus and the church, God and his family. It, it just comes straight out of there. And so when we get the fact that I take you becomes a priority, you become a priority in my life, how long is that priority? This is the morbid part, till death do us part. That's kind of morbid, right? Let me ask a question. How many of y'all been married? Anybody got an anniversary today? Anybody? You got it. John, you got it. Man, I'm sorry. We, we could have picked a better version of this. I would have picked something that didn't have this on it. H- happy anniversary, by the way. How many years? 18. Nice. 18 years. <laughs> <clears throat> so so we, we tried to give these away in a different way. That didn't work, so we're going to give them away today. I guess said, I'd have picked a different version of this because this really doesn't go with what we're going to talk about. Uh, but so many people go into marriage and they have a death wish. So we have some death wish coffee for you. <laughs> <laughs> come over that way and I'll throw it so uh, <laughs> really we don't have a death wish <laughs> yeah that would have been funny just poof, all over the place <laughs> I'd have had a death wish at that point uh, but so many of us go into the relationship and, and we have this version other than what God they're not our priority it's not till death do us part how many of you watch the, the sitcom Mom? It's really become one of my favorite sitcoms here lately because so much I can relate to. But there's a there's one one episode where um, the the daughter granddaughter is dating the professor and uh, the professor comes to mom and grandmom and says, hey, I want to marry your daughter, and they laugh, and they're like, she's not ready for marriage. She's not going to be committed to this, and, uh, but that's up to you. You do what you want to do. She's, a, she's an adult, and so uh, comes back his next scene, and the, the daughter comes in, the granddaughter comes in, and she's like, he, he asked me to marry him, and they're like, yeah, we knew. Would you tell him no? <laughs> and she said, well, I thought about that first, and then I realized he's not too bad for a first husband, Now, how many of us go into a marriage with that same thought? It's not too bad for a first husband. Now, now, now we we all we, I get it. We all shake our heads. But how many of you have ever use this 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 word in your marriage? Well, we should just get a divorce. We should just walk away from this. We use the D word. You know, if you don't do what I'm gonna what I want you to do, then let's just get divorced. If you're doing what I don't want you to do, let's just get a divorce. If this, then this. Let's go here. You, you know you're doing that for effect. I tell I tell couples all the time, stop it. Because it might lead to the wrong effect. It might lead to something that you really don't have in mind. But that's just a it's just a phrase. It's just a well. We just get divorced. We'll just get divorced. We'll just get divorced. I'm gonna get tired of hearing that. Just get out. Here's your divorce. And we use it in a way that it's threatening, and before long, that threat becomes something that the other person just isn't willing to put up with anymore, and they just tell you to go away. And you get what you always talked about. And we need to be careful with that. Don't use a word that you're not willing to back up, especially in a marriage. Well, uh, I don't want to make this all down, but priority and commitment, it's... Uh, to have and to hold. Here's the thing. When when I think, when we go through this, if we will get the fact that my spouse is my priority, and that spouse is my priority until my eyes close on this earth the very last time, we have the priority and the commitment of this relationship, of this marriage, when we have that down, and there's no way we're going to walk away from either one of those, then everything else in between on these vows comes easily. I take you for richer or richer (laughs) that's what we think but for richer or poorer you know when my wife and I first got married I I was a Airman basic in the Air Force anybody know what Airman basic is it's poverty level below poverty level you think I'm joking it's poverty level like we, we qualify for food stamps we qualify for SNAP we qualify for everything that people that don't work qualify for and yet we work now, I laugh and joke about it because you know what we did for fun? Fun was a two-liter bottle of soda and a coloring book. But you know what? We were happy. You know what was fun? Going down to the mall and sharing a Coke and making fun of people. <laughs> you, you laugh. We did it. We, we, would, we would come up with, you know how people walk by and they're talking and you can't hear them? We'd come up with whole phrases. Anybody, anybody else do this? You know, you just fill their mouth full of phrases and, and, and you buy their body language and all that stuff. But you know what? We were happy. We were poor. We didn't know it. Again, two years dating and two years marriage, we didn't fight. Year three, it was on. Um, uh, for better, for worse. Uh, some of you right now are dealing with some worse, but you've had better. I've had better. Uh, you know, uh, this morning, I. I pastor alex and i were talking this morning so many times we go through whatever we're going to preach on this week and we get tested on it all week long do you know how hard it is to preach on marriage you know how hard it was to come downstairs this morning and trudge through puddles in the kitchen not knowing what it was i got up at 4 30 this morning so i could come in and spend some extra time you know what i ended up doing at 4 30 in the morning cleaning the kitchen Right? For better or for worse. You know what I did? I, caught, I let her sleep till 6. She was going to come in with me. I let her sleep till 6. I went upstairs. I said, hey, look, fridge went out. Um, you probably need to stay home. Uh, I got most of it cleaned up. It's not going to be your satisfaction, but I got most of it cleaned up. <laughs> hey, that's serious now. I got, I got the worst of it up. Like, we had popsicles in the, in the freezer. Aww. You know, I got the worst of it cleaned up. She got a lot to go, but, um, but I just looked at her and I said, you know, it's a crisis. But you know what? It's all good. It's worse. You know, you, know what, you know what turned out better? It's under warranty, because there's a, a class action lawsuit for this refrigerator. So we get it replaced or fixed, I, you know, I don't care. They gonna make it, but you know, it's for better or for worse, and when you get the priority and the commitment right for better or for worse comes easy. It's sickness and health. That's a sucky one. When it's health, it's great. When it's sick, it's bad. But when your commitment and your priority is right, You'll take the bad. Because I'd rather spend a few days than miss her for a lifetime. You know, her dad, Kelly's dad, broke his leg. I, I don't want to get into the details of this, but he broke his leg. 86-year-old, 86-year-old broke his leg, so he had to go into rehab. Didn't have to, but long story. He's coming home. And I'll do whatever's necessary for him. Why? Because I said for better or for worse. Sickness and health. But that's her dad. That's her dad. She's my priority. And taking care of him is too. It's just how it works. It's just what God has called us to do. And all this is, is based on the, uh, Ephesians chapter 5. We're, we're going to look at Ephesians 5, 21 and 23 real quick. Or 30, yeah 31, I think it is. I don't know what it is. Um, we're going to take a look at Ephesians, but we're going to back up. I'm, I've already talked way too long. Uh, here's what, if you get these right... And I wish I'd have got this right earlier on in my marriage. If you get the priority and the commitment right early, it's not work. It's a joyous adventure. I tell people all the time, marriage is work, and I'm wrong. It's only work if we do this wrong. I, it, yeah, it's work, but it's a joyous labor. It's not this trudgery. It shouldn't be. If it is, we're not get, we don't have it right. And, and so, uh, Paul tells uh, the church in Ephesians, he, 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 we, we struggle with this. We always want to skip to Ephesians uh, five twenty two. 22. Wives, submit to your husbands. Anyway, everybody, and all the women went, oh, really? All right, let's back up to verse 21, because in verse 22, the verb is not there. It just says, wives, to your husbands. There is no submit in that verse. The verb is in 21, and in, 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 in the way this is written in the original language, it, it's just understood. In verse 21, it says this, husbands and wives submit to each other. And the women in that culture, you got to understand it's a different culture. The, the women would have went, duh, that's what we do every day. And the men would have went, that's not how this works. In our culture, the women go, that ain't how this works. And the men go, yes, it is. You see, in their culture, women were nothing more than property. They were nothing more than a slave. They they, they belonged to their husband, just like a kid belonged to the the father, just like the animals belonged to the the, the man of the house, just like the land belonged to him. They were nothing more than property. And so when when Paul would write, wives, submit to your husbands, uh, they would go, duh. The word submit isn't in that verse, but it's carried down from the previous verse. And you have to look at how it's used in that original verse. And it's we submit to each other. We'll come back to that. And then he tells us, and men, he tells us later on, just as Christ submitted to the church and died for it. Now, all the men went, wait, 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 what are you talking about? That's the reality. So, where does this start from? If Christ is our example in his relationship with the church, where I, I thought to myself, where does this start from? It actually goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned. I don't want to go all the way back there, but God killed an animal, uh, covered them with the, the sacrificial uh, animal's skin, uh, so he was willing to do whatever it was necessary to keep that relationship alive with Adam and Eve, up to the point of killing an animal and covering them with that animal's skin. But we see a better re- uh, illustration of this uh, in his covenant with Abraham found in Ephesians 5, 9 through 11. Uh, God had called Abraham out of this area uh, where he lived to to have a relationship with him. And and just like anybody else, Adam's kind of skeptical. And he says to God, he says, how do I know if you're real? Uh, Now, let me ask you a question. When you stand before your spouse at the day of wedding, you ever ask yourself, how do I know if this is real? Are you really committed to me? Uh, are you really committed to me? Well, God, God said, okay, you want to know if I'm committed to you or not? Here's how, here's how I tell you. He says, go get me three animals and two doves or two birds. And I want you to divide those animals and lay them out. And so we don't understand this because we don't do this today. Uh, but let's just say, uh, who do I know in here? Uh, Rob, you and me, are, we're going to enter into a covenant, right? And uh, this is a serious covenant. And so uh, we're going to take a, a bull, a a goat, Uh, and a heifer and we're going to divide them and we're going to place them on either side we're going to place two birds on either side they're not going to be cut up don't know why that is don't ask me uh, just how it was and we are once we divide these you and I are going to walk between these animals and when we get to the end what it signifies is Rob this is such a serious covenant that if either one of us breaks this covenant then you can do to me just as we did to these animals if you break it I can do to you just as we did to these animals you think that's pretty serious? All right, so, so Abraham does this. He lays out these animals. And, and Abraham is waiting for God to come down so they can walk through this blood covenant. Abraham waits all day long until the sun begins to set. And while he's waiting, anybody driving in this morning to see all these vultures up here on the road? Anybody drive through them? No? If you, were here, you, weren't, you weren't here early enough. They must have got rid of it. We, we were driving here this morning. There must have been 50 vultures on the road one animal that they were picking apart. Can you imagine you got all these animals out here cut open, blood everywhere, all the, the birds of prey that would want to come down and eat these animals. So Abraham, while he's waiting for God, is shooing the birds of prey off and getting rid of them. Get them he, he's doing his part while he's waiting on God. Man, if we could just get that in our marriages. Just do your part while you wait on God. So he's waiting. The sun goes down. The sun goes down. God causes Abraham to go to sleep. Abraham goes to sleep. God comes down in this this pot of fire, so to speak, and he's the only one that walks through the animals. I want you to think about that for a second. you ever considered what God might be telling Abraham? Here's where I take it, especially in this context, especially when Paul uh, relates it to Jesus in the church later. I think what God tells Abraham is, hey, you want to know how committed I am to this relationship? I take you despite you. I take you regardless of what you will do in this relationship. You see, if God had gone through the the, the pieces with Abraham, when Abraham failed, he would have died. And God said, I know you're going to fail me. I know you're not going to keep your part of this commitment. I know that no matter what we do, you are not going to do your part. So I want you to go to sleep, and I want you to witness me walking through this, this divided piece alone. No matter what you do, I choose you. You see, when you stand before your bride, stand before your husband on that wedding day, that's the same thing you need to do with them. I choose you in spite of you. You know, we we say it this way Are you willing to forgive your spouse of what they've done in the past, what they're doing present, and what they're going to do in the future? If you're not willing to do that, if you're not willing to forgive in those ways, you probably ought not get married. You probably ought not enter into this marriage relationship. You ought not enter into this covenant because they're going to sin. They have sinned. They're going, they are sinning, and they're going to sin. And you have to be in such a place in a, in a relationship with them that I choose you re, in spite of you. That's hard to do. That's hard to do. But that's where we go back to. And then when, when Paul talks in Ephesians, he says... Um, I want you to submit as Christ submitted to the church. I want you to uh, prepare yourself. I want you to love as Christ loved the church. Uh, I want to go back and and talk very quickly in Ephesians chapter 22, uh, 5, chapter 22, 23, and 24. He tells the wives, submit. In that culture, they would have said, no kidding, that's what we do. But then he changes it up. I don't want you to submit as a slave. I don't want you to submit unto the law. I don't want you to submit just because that's what we do. I want you to submit because of something else. And so in verse 23 and 24, he says, For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands and everything. I want you to think about this. What did it take for you to come to church? What did Jesus have to do for you, specifically for you to come to church? So I want to go back into the, old, into the early days of Jesus. Who did he choose to be his disciples? It wouldn't have been none of us. Because we here. It would have been all the people that aren't here. He chose the outcasts. He chose the fishermen. Nobody wanted anything to do with them. He chose the tax collectors. Nobody wanted to do anything with them. We still don't want anything to do with them. Um, <laughs> you think I'm joking. I mean, you want to, I mean, you want to have a friend as an IRS agent unless you want to get over on somebody. Um, but, I mean, reality, he chose people that were on the outside of society. Let me ask you this. If you were on the outside of society and Jesus brought you in, what would you do for him? Whatever was necessary. Would you do it because the law required you to do it? Or would you be do it because of what he's done for you? Out of his great love. That is the difference that he looks at the wives and says, don't do this according to the law. Do this according to your freedom and the love that Christ has shown you. Now, men, <laughs> you better buckle up because your job gets extremely difficult at this point. I just want to read through this. Ephesians 5, 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing of water through the word, and to present himself a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his, own, his wife loves himself, After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and unite with his wife, and the two shall be one. Now men, I don't really have enough time to go through all this, but I challenge you to go home and you read through this, and you ask yourself, what did Christ do for the church? Uh, just think about this when the woman was caught in the act of adultery what did jesus do for her he forgave her he not only forgave her he invited her in when he healed the lame what did he do for them he not only healed them he invited them in when he caused the blind to see what did he do for them in every one of the instances where you go back and look at how Jesus interacted with people he said to every single one of them i choose you just as you are and husbands that is what we need to do with our spouse that's what we need to do with our wife that's that's the relationship that we need to have we choose her why because god has a version of her that we can't even imagine i wish i had got this earlier a few, my wife is Nana. We have three granddaughters, a grandson, uh, and we refer to her as Nana. And so she has this special relationship with with them, and she takes them out, and they go to different trips and do different things. This last time, they went and got fairy hair. I don't know what all they do. Um, I don't even know what fairy hair is. Uh, but I look at the relationship that she has with them, and from my perspective today, has not always been there. I look at her and I look and go, you know, I am so thankful that she is the amazing woman that she is and has this amazing relationship with them and can take them and lead them to a place of healthiness and happiness. And I look and I look at my part of this and I say, you know what? I've done everything I can do to make her be the person that Jesus would want her to be. Why? Because I choose her. She's my priority. So you you say, well, what do you do? Well, when she comes home, I don't go, where's dinner? Men, men. Maybe <laughs> maybe you ought to cook dinner. I don't look in her and go, I don't have any clean clothes. Maybe you ought to do laundry. Choosing your spouse, making her a priority, making him a priority, is sometimes getting out of your own comfort zone and doing things just simply because it makes them a better person, gives them more opportunities, gives them a greater opportunity to be the person that God is calling them to be. That's what it means. I take you. I wish I had more time. There's so much in this. I'm already in trouble. Let me pray. Father, we love you and we praise you. Thank you that you love us the way that you do. And that you have made us a priority. God, may we make our spouse the priority of our life. The only one that's a higher priority is you. And when we get this relationship right, everything else will fall into place. So, Father, we give you praise in Christ's name. Amen.